not speaking again. You know, yeah, thank you. That was Matt, wasn't it? Matt, I need you to sit right up here dude, so I can talk about you all day long. Um, you know, I, I am blessed to, to have the opportunity to have um, just a handful of people, I mean, more than a handful, but just a, a, a deep line of people that I can lean on who can come and share and know that they're going to bring a great word. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to, I take advantage of it, um, because I feel like, uh, we get that opportunity to let people exercise their gifts and grow in their gifts. And that's what the body's supposed to do, right? If, if we can get people to, uh, get connected into what God's called them to only better, they're only going to be better for it. So this morning, before I introduce who's going to be speaking, I also wanted to say that um, we got inundated with some more babies this 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 week. Uh, yeah, which is which is which is really uh, really neat. Uh, the um, Mario and Jen had uh, had their baby on Friday. Uh, another another boy, um, which that makes I think six boys over the last couple of months. Crazy. Uh, and then uh, a newer couple that's been coming to the church, uh, Jeff and Tiffany uh, Bowles, they had their baby five weeks early, but they had uh, a little girl, uh, healthy, actually went home the first day, uh, the day after being born, after being five weeks early. So that was really, really cool. But everyone's doing uh, just, just doing amazing like that. And I just wanted to kind of uh, celebrate that with us this morning. So Josh Crocker. Come this morning. Um, I have now, uh, I have known Josh now for 10 plus years probably now, right? Since the first time that we met. Right? I, I'd say more like 12 years because you moved here when? 2008. 2008. Wow, dude. So you've been here. 11, 10, so I couldn't meet you longer than you've been here. Yeah, so we'll call it 10 years then. Um, and uh, Josh, uh, Josh moved here to be a part of starting an, an, uh, a church plant that was, that was coming, another California transplant here from the, from the Sacramento area. Uh, so that's kind of neat just to kind of see all those and celebrate more Californians that, that come here. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Josh also is uh, a part of our church council, and um, I have four uh, amazing uh, I have four amazing men that uh, help me navigate through decisions and, and processes that we do here at the church. And, uh, and And Josh, over this last season, has become one of those one of those guys, and I really appreciate that. And you'll probably in the next season uh, hear and have. Uh, some other council members that are that will be sharing on Sunday mornings as well. So um, I really appreciate these guys, and uh, I, I know Josh has a word for us this morning that's going to encourage us and uh, point to the Lord. So Josh, here you go. Awesome. Can everybody hear me? Cool. Um, well, it's been quite a while since uh, since I last 
spoke a message, so forgive me if I have too many ums uh, and those and uhs and everything like that. So as I'm up here, shake the nerves off a little bit, but I'm excited to be here. Uh, as he said, my name's Josh. I have a beautiful wife, Dominique. I have three beautiful children, one five, one two, and one four months. So if, uh, if anything, you can imagine my mind state right now. So just uh, bear with me as I'm up here. Um, but let's pray. Dear, dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and come in fellowship and uh, just encounter your Holy Spirit. We give you glory and we pray that your word just changes our lives today and makes us better. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to start off with a story, okay? Um, and we're going to go all the way back to Exodus. And just to kind of set the scene, the Israelites have already been taken out of Egypt. About 600,000 men, um, not including children, uh, have, been, have left Egypt following Moses, and they're at Mount Sinai. And 600,000 just men, and that's from Exodus 12. So if you can imagine, each man has a wife. With a wife, they have maybe two to five children. We're talking over a million people have just have a uh, in this exit so a lot okay now where i'm going to be at here is there at mount sinai okay and i'm going to be focusing just this part on exodus chapter 32 i'm going to summarize between 1 verse 1 through about 25 so exodus 32 1 through 5 moses is uh you know talking with god mount sinai and the people are getting restless because he's been gone a while. So they say, you know what? Moses is gone. What should we do? Let's build a golden calf to worship. Sounds like a great idea. So they make a golden calf um, because they felt like they needed something to worship. In verse 6, not only does it say they built a calf, but they also practice worshiping it and they practice immorality. So Exodus 3, uh, 32, 6 states that, they offered burnt offerings, they offered peace offerings, they feasted and played. Now, uh, that doesn't sound too harmless, right? One, except it's towards a golden calf. But two, the word play, let me break that down for you. The word play is just a nice word used to describe their immoral acts around this golden calf. Okay? The word play in Hebrew here is tahak, right? Specific on the scratchy throat in the middle. But... It means to jest, to play, to toy with, including with women. Okay, so if you think about it, they rise up early, they build this calf, they want to worship it, they offer, they, they offer offerings for it, they, they, uh, and then they also practice immoral acts in front of it. And it's all while Moses is up handling business with God. All right, and then now we go to uh, verses, uh, chapter 32, 7 through 14. God sees what they're doing and tells Moses, hey, man, you better get down there because I'm about to kill them all. And Moses says, hold, hold on. <laughs> they're, uh, they're uh, really, you know, they're, they're boneheads, okay? They're boneheads, but give them, just a, give them a chance. So Moses pleads back and forth with God and says, hey, give them a chance. And God says, okay. So going through verse 15 through 24, Moses comes down the mountain. He hears about it from God, but he comes down and he sees it. He has the tablets in his hand that God inscribed with his laws. He comes up to camp, sees what's going on, 
he throws the tablets on the ground and they break. Now, Moses has anger problems. If you read the Bible, it's one thing that he has dealt with quite a bit, anger. So he threw them on the ground. He broke the tablets out of frustration. Now we go to verse 25. It says the people were unrestrained. They, they lacked restraint in their sin. Now, if we put this in our perspective, anytime we lack restraint, okay, or anytime we do whatever we want to do, uh, we kind of end up in some really dark places anytime that we just decide to do what we want to do. And so, and being someone with kids, and anyone with kids really has a good picture of lack of restraint and what that looks like on a daily basis, especially with little ones, because Bella will just go up and just play and then whack, just hit her brother in the face or something. And I'm like, why did you do that? And she goes, my body made me do it. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop it from happening. And so I was like, okay, not okay. But I mean, there's this lack of restraint there that, that we have just by nature. Okay. Now here's what I want to get to right here. In verse 26, Exodus 26, or Exodus 32, 26 through 28. We'll put it up here. This is where it gets great, all right? We're going to be feeling really good. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp. Let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did, according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men, uh, the people fell that day. Uh, so God doesn't like sin, okay? That's, that's where we're going to go there. Now, you say, man, 3,000, that's a lot of people. It's most likely it was the people who kind of headed this, this uh, I guess, insurrection, as you would say, because... I mean, we're talking over a million people, 3,000 die. I mean, it, it, it's really, it sucks that 3,000 people had to die. But the big thing I want to get here is <laughs> being on the Lord's side requires a decision. Being on the Lord's side requires action. And here's what we're going to focus today. Being on the Lord's side requires separation. Separation from sin. Okay? Um. So now that we've talked about separating from sin and death, which I'm pretty sure puts us in a good spot for the rest of the, the sermon today, um, we're going to talk about separating from sin and how that looks. And we're going to talk about separation from sin mentally. We're going to talk about separation from sin physically. And we're going to talk about separation from sin spiritually. And which one is enough? And the first point we're going to talk about today is... Mentally separating from sin. We're going to call it happy thoughts. Okay? Happy thoughts. Because the idea of separation of sin and the benefits it can have are great. The idea is fantastic, but mentally wanting to separate from sin, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you, it's not enough. It's not. Because how many times do we start some journeys, I'm going to get better. You know, we, we come to church and we, we have a good sermon. And, man, I feel really good about changing my life right now. 
And then if it stops there, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. Sorry to burst your bubble. Okay? Um, but I will say this. And we're going to use an example here for happy thoughts and how they don't yield anything. Okay? So there was a rich man in Mark chapter 10. He comes to God and he wanted to know, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Okay? What do I need to do? I practice all your commandments. I've done what you needed me to do. And then Jesus says, you know what? Yeah, you've been pretty good. But uh, except one thing. He says, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And here's the thing. Here's where the idea stopped for the rich man. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The idea of following Jesus was fantastic. The idea of inheriting the kingdom of God was a wonderful idea. But when Jesus says, hey, do this and sacrifice, the sin this guy, and here's where this guy's sin was. He was entangled in his own possessions. He valued them more than he valued the kingdom. And so the idea of following Jesus and the desire or want to separate from his sin wasn't enough. It wasn't. Now, we're going to rewind back, uh, back to Exodus here. In the time of uh, Pharaoh and the plagues are going on. This is before the people of Israel left. And you're going to see a scripture up there soon. But I'm going to kind of paint the picture. This is the seventh plague. It's thunder and hail and fire rain down on all of Egypt. The seventh plague. Seven. I mean, I did this right now, but I don't have seven fingers. So, there. Seven plagues. So, he, after the seventh plague, or while it's happening, everything's being destroyed, and Pharaoh calls to Moses. And he wants to make amends, you know, because he's tired of his, like, kingdom being destroyed. So check this out. Exodus 9.27. It says, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time, because he didn't sin all the other times, the Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Okay. All right. So this sounds like a perfect words of repentance from Pharaoh. It really sounds amazing. But here's the thing. True repentance didn't work its way into his heart. And I'll tell you this right now. Pharaoh was grieved at the consequences of sin, but he was not grieved at sin itself. Good. Right? So... He was grieved at the consequences of sin, but not sin. How many times do we, as a people, we sin, we make a bad decision? I'll just put it in this perspective, too. Um, someone lusts, right, at the computer, and they make a bad decision. Then after they're done lusting and after they're done with their computer or after they're done with the mobile device or whatever they people want to use nowadays man they feel really bad they do 
man, or, 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 you know, we'll just use a common one that people like to use. Uh, someone who goes and gets drunk. Then they feel really bad after they drink because eh, they kind of know it's wrong. But here's the, here's the thing, like feeling bad about something or the idea of stopping something, I will tell you this, it's not enough. He was grieved for the consequences of his sin, the plagues and everything, but he wasn't grieved at his sin itself. The idea of the fact that he could get out of get, having plagues wasn't enough because Pharaoh didn't stop. He didn't. So your happy thoughts, our happy thoughts of wanting to separate ourselves from sins that entangle us, whatever it may be, it's just the beginning, but it's not enough. Like, man, this guy's not, I thought I was coming to church for like a really good, feel-good message. So I promise you, there's hope. Just hang in there. I promise. So... We go from mentally trying to separate from sin, and we know that that's not enough. It's a nice first step. Do it for happy thoughts. Our second point is physically. Physically separating from sin. or And outwardly acts. I'm going to call this one, do it for the likes. For social media, right? We, we, we post things on Facebook. We post things on Instagram. We post things on Snapchat. Look at me, duck face. Right? And so look how great my life is. Right? And here's the thing. Outwardly actions to separate from sin, they look very nice. But hate to be the bearer of bad news, that is also still not enough. It's not. Like, well, dang it. I thought I was onto something. I thought I could, you know, just everyone look at me. Look how I'm not sinning right now. Right? And then take a picture and post it on social media. So it's just not enough. And here's some examples, okay? We're gonna go to we're gonna we're gonna go to uh, Matthew twenty three, twenty five through twenty six. Now you can look at the screen. If you have a Bible, you can swipe to it, or if you're, you know, more holy, you can actually pull out the physical Bible. Um No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Um but it says Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. No one likes Pharisees. All right? No one likes them. They're physically doing many right things, but the inside of their hearts... We're evil. So we have, they, they show up. Basically, they were, the, they were the, you know, social media of their time. Or, and uh, basically, they had just the big robes. They said the loud prayers. They physically just were doing all the right things. Look at me. Look how I've separated from sin. Right? That whole thing. But inside that, they were evil. Self-indulgent. I will say that sin doesn't disappear based on our actions or what we do, no matter how holy we appear. It doesn't. We're going to go to Matthew 26, verse 14 through 16. Here's the, here's the good one, okay? 
about outside actions and, and, and how they're not enough. I'll tell you this. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, to you? And they counted out him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. Like, Josh, why are you bringing this up? Why? Well, I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. Physically, Judas separated himself from his previous life. Physically, Judas followed Jesus through his entire ministry. However, he never really separated himself away from sin. So how does someone who sees the miracles, how does someone who follows Jesus in person physically separates themselves still find a way to betray Jesus? It's because the physical acts are still not enough to separate from sin. Sin rested in his heart. And it kind of just walked with him, actually, through the entire ministry, if you want to picture it like that. And it's crazy because we, we do lots and lots of things in this life to make ourselves better. There are things that, re- that we do physically that can make ourselves better and that look fantastic. But it doesn't mean that we've completely separated from sin. And so what went wrong? What went wrong? What, what, what do we do to fully separate from sin? To fully separate from a life that we want to escape, have a desire to escape. What do we do? And that brings me to our third point. Spiritually separating from sin. Mentally separating from sin, check. Doesn't do anything. Sorry. At the end of the day. Sorry to hurt your feelings. Physically separating from sin, it may have its benefits, but when it comes to the heart, it means nothing also. So I'm, you're probably sitting there like, man, first we start off with uh, God killing 3,000 people, or the Levites killing 3,000 people. Uh, mentally separating from sin doesn't work. Physically, showing that I separated from sin doesn't really work. Is there an up, upside to this? I'm kind of feeling a little depressed right now. And I will tell you, the great thing about it is there is hope. So when it comes to spiritually separating from sin, and here's, here's where we're going to take it home today. We have two options. We ultimately have two options of separation. Okay? One, we can decide to separate from sin. Or two, we can stay separated from God. It's our two options that we have. Because in Genesis, in the beginning, when sin entered the world, we were separated from God. The gap of separation caused by sin, both Adam's and our own, cannot be bridged even by our noblest attempts. That's why physically 
separating from sin is still not enough. I, Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's like, but how? Can you get to the how part? How can I fully separate from sin? How? I'll tell you how. And it's through Jesus. Jesus provides full healing. He provides full separation from sin. He provides fully separation from the bondage that entangles us every single day. Because mentally we can, we can think happy thoughts and think that we can do it on our own. Physically, we can think that we can just change the way our pattern of life is and think that's going to be enough. But I'm telling you right now, without Jesus, it's not enough. The Bible says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That's 1 Peter 3.18. I'm going to read that again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The reason why I'm saying that is because Christ died and had to die once and rose again once. So that way, no matter what we do mentally, no matter what we do physically, if we repent and accept Jesus Christ and allow him to heal our lives, we can be transformed and we can be fully separated from sin. We can. It's possible. It really is. Now, I'm going to use I'm going to use my weight journey as an example. And like I said, it's been a while and so like my I had 35 minutes and going a lot quicker than I thought. So like you're welcome kind of. Um no, I'm going to use my weight journey as an example. Okay? So food or the love of food and laziness, that has been a sin in my life for as long as I can remember. There's a lot of times where I mentally said, you know what? I'm going to make some changes. Or I'll tell my wife, hey, you know what sounds like a great idea? Eating better. She's like, okay, do it. Now nah, I'm good. It's okay. There's times that I mentally was like, hey, I'm going to start this weight loss journey and I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start doing exercise at home. I'm going to do all this. And then funny thing is I do. I, and, and, and it's a great pattern. I begin to lose weight. However, many times I still fall back into old patterns. Mentally and physically, hey, I was on the right track. I was. However, I keep falling back into these patterns, right? Or I have. Now, this is a plug for Jeff and his ministry. Um, it cha- his, his ministry changed my life. It really did. Um, because... One thing that was taught, right, is we can look at where we're at right now. 
We can mentally take the steps to do what we need to do. We can physically take the steps that we need to do. However, the biggest part that we need to address is spiritually where we're at. What's the reason for why I got overweight and unhealthy? Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the heart for why we are the way that we are. Let's get to the spiritual aspect of what brought me to that point initially to set me on this course of being unhealthy, being lazy, and doing these sorts of things. And here's the great thing is I think on in the program I lost 20-something pounds. Um, and since, uh, and since July, I've lost about, uh, uh, about 30 something, um, or about around 30 pounds. Um, but the great, here's the, here's the cool thing. Being able to confront my, my, myself spiritually has been able to keep me on track, has been able to keep me in a state of mind where I say, you know what? God is the center of my life. Like there's no, there's no just mentally and physically doing it. It's bringing Jesus into it. There's a quote that, um, that I got from an author, David Lloyd-Jones, from his book, Revival. And it says, when the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with any of us, there will be this separation It will not be paraded. It will not be the Pharisees, I'm holier than thou attitude. No. Once a man begins to be burdened for the glory of God and the state of the church, he immediately feels a call to consecration. He goes out, as it were. He separates himself. There's no, there's no fancy garments for us to wear. There's no fancy words that we could say. There's no, there's no mindset that we need to have. There's no Facebook posts. There's no Instagram posts. There's no Snapchat pictures that we could take that's going to be able to change our life for the better, for Jesus. Because no matter what we do, and this is perfect, no matter what we do, it's not good enough without Jesus. I mean, we look at our lives, we look at ourselves in the face, and we say, man, I really want to change. I struggle with anger on a daily basis. I do. Or I struggle with lust, and I look at myself in the face, and there's many times that I look and I see I'm through with dealing with this, but yet I still keep falling back into these patterns. And I'll tell you why. It's because we need to invite Jesus into that situation. No matter what you do, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, without Jesus, we are entangled in our sin. Always. That's why the Pharisees, they knew scripture. But Jesus even said, you know, at the time, do what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they say. You can say the right things as much as you want. And not just you, I'm talking to me, myself, also. We collectively can say, do whatever we want, but without Jesus as our anchor, without Jesus coming and changing our life, it doesn't matter. And here's one last scripture. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nothing we can do can save us. Absolutely nothing. It's all about Jesus. I was, I was dealing with this message all week. And part of me was looking at it saying, and I had some notes in there, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I had some notes in here that I was like, hey, you know, here's some, here's some positive things about mentally separating from sin. Here's some positive things about, you know, physically separating from sin. And I will be honest, there, there are benefits to doing those things. I'm not saying that there's not benefits. But if you want to fully separate from sin, if you are tired of the way that, that, you know, if we're tired of the way that we're living in a certain way, if we're living sexually immoral lives, if we are living with anger, if we are living in these patterns that just entangle us, if we're tired of living those ways, there's one way to escape. There's one way to separate from sin, and it's through Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. By grace. Not by anything. Your happy thoughts won't do it. Your likes on Facebook and Instagram won't do it. It's Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. Um, that's my sermon. do want to say we have an opportunity today okay to not only make a mental decision to separate from sin we have an opportunity today not only to physically separate from sin there's going to be people praying today the band's going to come up and they're going to do another song we have a major opportunity today to begin the process of allowing Jesus to come into our situation, especially those where this, whatever we're doing is just not working. And the reason why whatever we're doing is not working is that it's not based on us. It's on Jesus. So as, as the band sings another song, as the prayer warriors come up and are willing to pray with you, there's a big opportunity here. Let's look at ourselves in the mirror. Let's look at our reflection and say, have I released what I've been entangled with to Jesus? Because I just can't get away. I can't separate. Today is our opportunity for freedom. For freedom. Thank you. Josh. Bob. Bob is our resident prayer uh, 
ministry guy, and if you don't know, Bob had some surgery over the last couple of weeks, and he's in a lot of pain right now. So we need to be praying for Bob. But um, I didn't get the opportunity to uh, connect with some people. So if you are typically on a prayer team and you come and pray, I'm going to have you come up here in a minute. I want to do something this morning a little bit different and do something that requires a word that that um, that Josh used this morning and he said action okay and I want to physically make movement this morning and and I don't know where everybody's at I don't know what you're dealing with but I know some of you you've been trying really hard to get out of some stuff You've been fighting, you've been swinging, you've been changing, you've been, you've been re, uh, putting new rhythms in your life. You've been doing all of these things, but the problem is, is that it's been you. It's been you. It's been you trying to make the change. It's, it's been you saying something that you're going to do instead of inviting Jesus into the situation instead of bringing things to the Father. And this morning, for those of you that are tired and you're just gone, man, I've tried so hard. I've tried so many times and I keep just going back to the same place. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar. And I want you to bring whatever it is that you're dealing with, and I want you just to drop it off right here. just want you to drop it off. Just drop it off. Here's the deal. I've been in, in a lot of situations like this. There's some of you right now that have something in your pocket, in your purse, that physically describes or physically is what you're dealing with. If you would be so bold, if you would be so brave this morning, if you would be so much to bring that this morning and leave it here, anywhere in this way, just leave it here. And some of you need to do something that makes some type of a, of a thing that says this is it. If that helps you, bring that and leave it here. Whatever it's going to take to make you come to the altar and give something to the person who can really remove it all. Would you be that brave this morning? Would you finally tap out and say, I'm done. I'm done fighting on my own. I'm done fighting. I need to bring this to my father. I need to bring this to him and I need him to do what only he can do and transform me. So as the band starts playing, and then we're going to have, and what I ask those of you who, who are part of the prayer and part of the ministry team, would you come and just come alongside these people and pray with them? And maybe you're struggling to come. If you're sitting next to somebody, would you encourage them to come with you? Maybe it'll make you a little braver. Maybe it'll make it a little bit easier for that to happen. But there's a reason why words like this are spoken, guys. There's reasons why there's words like this that, 
that God prompts people like Josh to speak because there's something he wants to do in your life. These messages aren't spoken. The word Jeffrey brought last week, they're not spoken just to go, that was good. That was good. No, no, no. They're meant so something would happen in you that would transform you from who you currently are. And sometimes we need to get so bold to make actions and to make movements that I would physically come and deposit something here. 20 plus years ago, I was a part of something like this. 20 plus years ago, I was in a service and somebody said, bring your sin to the altar. And at the time, I, I didn't know much about what was going on, but I remembered what I was dealing with and going, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I came to the altar and I, and I physically did something and just said, here it is. And I remember walking back to my seat after that moment thinking, I'm not the same anymore. I'm not the same anymore. Something happened in that moment that I said no more of me and everything to my father. Something transformed in me and now I stand before you 20 plus years later going, I'm still free. I don't battle that any longer. I'm not caught up in that anymore. And that's the opportunity that we want to open to you. So as the band begins to sing and they begin to move, please do not be afraid of the freedom that you're going to experience by coming up here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Who cares who's looking at you? Who cares what somebody is thinking or processing? Because you are walking towards freedom. You're walking towards freedom. And who cares about anybody else? So band, please lead us. And guys, let's, let's make some movement up here to the altar. 